Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. Lives next to one of our rental houses and said, your house is on fire. I was like, what? So I'm freaking out. I, I literally just jump in the car and go up there. It's only like 40 minutes away. And when I get there, I see the fire trucks pulling up, and I see um, there's no smoke anymore. I guess the smoke pouring out of the top of the house. And I go inside, and inside on the floor, I find a rock. Well, it just so happened that the neighbor tried to get in the house through the lockbox, one of those, you know, real estate lockboxes. You can't get in that thing for the life of life of you. Um, so he took a big, big rock out of the driveway and he threw it through the kitchen window, opened the window, went in there with his fire extinguisher and put the fire out, which was a fire on the stove. It was um, one of our guests, our lovely guests, had left a pot of chicken soup cooking on the so- stove and went down to the pool. And so all of the liquid had had evaporated and it was on fire, literally just melting the microwave and almost ready to go up inside the cabinets and light the whole house on fire. Uh, So there wasn't a lot of physical damage. I mean, the kitchen needed to be replaced because cabinets were destroyed, but the smoke damage alone was $40,000 worth of damage. But I find this rock on the floor. And if this neighbor had not thrown that rock through the window and gone in there and put that out, there would have been a lot more damage, not to mention the fire trucks were ready to take their hoses and just just douse the house. You know, one thing, it's one thing of smoke damage, another thing, water damage. So it was, uh, it was quite the interesting thing because here I am standing there, just like my face is like, I can't believe what just happened. And the guests just happened to walk back from the pool wondering what's going on. And they walk inside the great room in the kitchen and they're, they're in shock, obviously, apologetic. I mean, what am I going to say, you know? I try to be kind. <laughs> uh, somebody say windows. Thank God for the window. Uh, we eventually replaced the window, replaced the kitchen. But um, there was a battle raging on the inside of our house. And in order to put the battle out, something radical had to take place. It was either the fire trucks and the the firemen had to go in there and put it out, or this neighbor decided to take action. Most people wouldn't even take action. Most people would be like, call the fire department, stand on the sidewalk, and let's, let's watch this thing burn. But thank God for somebody who was willing to take action. And I thanked him. We, we bought him a gift you know, went over and just thank you so much for doing what you did, putting yourself in danger. You know, there are battles raging inside and there's battle ra- ra- battles raging outside. And there are certain windows that we have to open. There are certain windows that we have to go through. There's windows of opportunities and there's windows where sometimes you need to throw a rock through them in order to break through and fight that fight and rage through that battle. 
Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13, and I want to talk a little bit about Jehoash, King Jehoash. King Jehoash was the king of Israel as compared to the king of Judah. There was north and there were south kingdoms. There was actually a King Jehoash who was also named as Joash in the king of Judah, but we're not talking about that king because he reigned for 40 years. He was a, a good king and ended up being a bad king. He was the one that helped to to rebuild the temple that was destroyed in his grandmother's reign. So evil things were going on in the kingdom of Judah, in the kingdom of Israel. I mean, the, the king of Judah's grandmother actually, in order to, as the queen, maintain power so that her grandsons would not take over, thought she had murdered all of her grandsons so there would be no heir to the throne. Talk about mean things going on. I'm sure we haven't uh, reached any level of that kind of battle yet in our own personal lives. But if you look at the king of Israel, the king of Israel, also named Jehoash, he reigned for 16 years. He was the 12th king of Israel. And here is just a little bit of who Jehoash was. There's not a lot about him. All we know is that he was a king who didn't worship God. He worshiped Baal. He was a bad king, and he did some some horrible things. Yet he had glimpses of hope. There, There were glimpses of reaching out to the Lord. There was that struggle on the inside. Who do I serve? And we see here, It says in verse 14, it says, Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. So Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, raised by Elijah, was at the end of his life. And somehow, inside of King Jehoash's heart, he wanted to go and meet with him for the last time because the Arameans were about ready to attack Israel. And, and King Jehoash was nervous. And so he realized that his army wasn't big enough. He realized that physically we are not going to be able to conquer this battle. I need the prophet to speak a word. I need to hear from the prophet because I'm scared, because I'm nervous. And so he must have had some respect for Elisha because he actually goes to him. He went, uh, the king of Israel went down to see him and he wept over him. We know that he had an emotional side. And then he calls him this. He didn't say, hey, Elijah, what's up? He didn't say, prophet Elijah. He said, my father, my father. He cried. The chariots and horsemen of Israel. See, the window of opportunity for Jehoash was closing as far as his connection to the Lord and the prophet. That window of wisdom that he was seeking after was closing. It's obvious that Jehoash had a relationship with Elijah to the point where he called him father. He had a personal relationship with him. King Jehoash wanted more insight, but there was little time. The king wanted a seer. How many know that all opportunities are not created equal and there are some times that opportunities are time dated. There are seasons for certain times in our life. We either take it or leave it and we can't get it back. 
And so the window was closing. He's weeping over the impending loss. The Arameans are about ready to attack. And Jehoash realized that it was not the troops that won the battle, but it was the wisdom of God that he needed in this this time. So let's continue to read on. In verse 15, Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. Aha. And he did so. Anybody nervous? Don't worry, I practiced five minutes before service. (laughs) He said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. So he was obedient to do what the prophet asked him to do. He said, take the bow in your hands. He said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And then he gives him instructions. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, he declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. See, prior to Jehoash's reign, the other kings also were not good kings. They were half-hearted. Jehoash was actually in a position that he was not prepared for. And the window was closing. Elisha is dying. And the king wants to know what to do next. He's weeping. What should I do next? The pressure is mounting. He feels a closing in from every side. Pressures from every side. And he shows up and he kneels down besides the prophet's bed. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure in your life? The pressure that mounts to the point of weeping, to the point of I don't know what to do, to the point that you're willing to call somebody that you haven't called for 10 years or 20 years to ask them advice. You're willing to swallow your pride and you're willing to find out the wisdom of God for your life because at this point you've just done it all in your own strength and in your own wisdom, trying to forge through things and trying to fight the battle on your own, realizing that you're not winning. The attacks on your family, the attacks on your finances, the attacks on the outside coming towards you or the attacks on the inside in your soul, in your emotions and in your mind. Elisha gives him instructions because, see, God is not a God of just information. He's a God of implementation. God wants us to do something. We can sit around and we can cry all day, but it's not going to help. It's okay to mourn, and there's a season for mourning, but there's also a season for implementation and rejoicing. God's going to give you something to do, and that's exactly what Elisha told the king. He told him to do something. He told him to do something in faith 
even before the battle and made a faith declaration over his circumstance. I'm going to say that again because this is the point of the whole, the whole message. He told him to do something even before the battle and make a declaration of faith even before the battle began. This is the opportunity. See, trouble does not last forever. You guys know that? And there are opportunities that we have to seize. The devil will make you think that trouble is going to last forever. But it doesn't. There's a time of trouble and there's a time of victory. There is a window of opportunity. Amen? And so... Elisha is saying, stop crying, get the bow and arrow, stop crying, king, and take action. Because God is not just a God of instruction, he is a God of implementation. So three things that we want to discuss today, if you're taking notes. Number one is this, view the victory. View the victory. Open the window the one that faces your enemy. Basically, don't open the south window. Don't open the north window. I'm specifically giving you instructions to open the east window that faces your enemy. That's the instructions. Stop staring at the walls around you and look out at your enemy. And know that God has given you the authority and the power to resist the enemy, and to command him where to go. Amen? All authority has been given to us to trample on the enemy, to trample and to stomp on the scorpions, the snakes, and the enemy, and to keep them under our feet. Even before the victory starts. See, I don't know about you, but I don't fight for victory. Because of Jesus, I fight from victory because of what he's already provided for me and what he's done for me. You know, there's just sometimes you just need to celebrate your victories and remember what God has done, especially in your past, especially if you're in a a current battle. Amen? Anybody watch the Ducks games last night? Ah, it was disheartening. Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? Thank you so much. It's, It's disheartening, but you know what? North Carolina deserved to win because the Ducks played horrible. I mean, they they couldn't get any three-pointers hardly in. I mean, it was just a battle to the bitter end. I mean, I'm surprised it was even as close as it was. They lost by one point. But you know what? If you made the final four out of all those college teams, that's huge to go through all that they went through 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 that tournament and to end up in the final four. Now, it would have been great Monday night for the Zags to play the Ducks. Wouldn't have, been, wouldn't have been awesome. So now we can all switch and we can all vote for the Zags because Pastor Rick Sharkey is from Spokane, right? <laughs> he texted me this morning. He's like, go Jesus, go Zags. Sunday for Jesus, Monday for the Zags. You know, there was a, a young guy on uh, Oregon's team. His, his name is called Peyton Pritchard. If you don't know him, he was a four-time state 
title West Lynn champion. They won four years in a row when he was on the team. And he was a three-time state player of the year. A starting freshman for the Ducks this year. Did an amazing job, but not last night. Missed his shots, almost fouled out. Now, you know what? He could be depressed. I'm sure it was emotional. But he can't look at that performance. He needs to look at his performance as a whole throughout the year. He needs to look at the victories that he's already won. Because in the midst of the battle, the devil wants to give you tunnel vision. He doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want to, you to be talking about your victories. He doesn't want, to be, want you to be talking about what God has done in the past. He wants you to focus on the battle. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to be down. He doesn't want you to go outside your four walls. He doesn't want you to open the windows of opportunity and do what the king did. He doesn't want you to come to church and listen to the prophet and be encouraged like King Jehoash did when he went to church. In the sermon that day, the prophet Elisha for help and the instructions that came in the sermon that day from Elisha changed his destiny. There's plenty of time to replay your regrets. Take time to review your victories. Get your victories embedded in your spirit. See the victory before the battle begins. You've got to be able to see it. That's why our prophet is called a seer. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. So I, I, want, you, I want to encourage you to close your eyes. Let's do that this morning. Everyone close your eyes. And I want to see yourself, I want you to see yourself victorious this morning. If you're sick, I want to see you healed. If you have trouble walking, I want, to, I want you to see yourself running. I want you to see yourself climbing a trail on the Columbia River Gorge and hiking to the top. See yourself doing these things. The things that you haven't been able to do because of pain, I want you to envision yourself doing them again. Riding your bike, <laughs> lifting weights, swimming. See yourself doing these things in your mind's eye. If you've been addicted to drugs and alcohol, you need to see yourself free from drugs and alcohol. You need to see yourself walking in your purpose. See yourself fulfilling your destiny. You need to see yourself walking out your dreams. Maybe this week you've got some challenges and some battles to face. You need to see yourself speaking in front of that group and believing God for the right words to say. And when the meeting's over, their jaws are dropping because of the eloquence of the words that came out of your mouth and the wisdom to solve the issues in the midst of that meeting. See yourself being the champion that God created you to be. Fulfilling that destiny. See yourself in the future stronger than you've ever been before. See yourself being free from emotional dysfunction. See yourself being free from crazy and out of control people and controlling people. Can anybody say amen? There's just times for some of us, you can look at me now, there are times for some of us where we have just got to make decisions. 
as far as the people that we hang out with because they are influencing us to not see ourselves become the way God wants us to become, but they are keeping us bound to the things that have held us back. And in the midst of making those decisions, there's going to be seasons of loneliness before you find new friends, but I guarantee you God's got some good friends for you, some good acquaintances for you, people that will encourage you, people that will will not always think about the party and not always think about the moment, but they're thinking about the future. Amen? So this is what Elisha told the king to do. I want you to take that arrow out that window. I want you to point it towards the enemy. And symbolically, I want you to let that arrow go over their heads. I planned that. It was a symbolic gesture. And what did Elijah say? What was his declaration? This is the declaration that he made. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, declares Elisha. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. I don't know if all the details are in the scripture, but I can imagine Elisha telling the king, say that, speak that, declare that. Let it not just be my prophetic declaration, let it become your prophetic declaration. Speak those things that aren't as though they are. Declare the victory before the battle is fought. Amen? And let those words of victory come out of your mouth. Do you know that you can literally change your destiny by the words that you speak? You can change the atmosphere by the words that you speak. Even in the midst of temptation and struggle, instead of yielding your words and your tongue and the tongue of your heart towards the words of defeat, begin to speak faith over your situation. Begin to call those things that aren't as though they are. Begin to say, I am free. That temptation does not hold me. I have been delivered from the power of darkness. Begin to declare these things over your life. Stop saying and agreeing what the devil says and start saying what God says over your life. Change your life by speaking faith over your situation. Stop saying you don't have enough money and you you just never have enough to do what you want to do and start declaring the, the prosperity of God over your checkbook and your finances. Begin to say, I have more than enough money to do everything that I want to do, including giving, including being a blessing to my kids and my church and the ministries that God has called me to support. I am prosperous. God is filling me up with so much. He's the God who is more than enough. Come on. You cannot change your situation by faith if you continue to speak the reality of your circumstance. Speak by faith what you want to happen. The second thing is this concerning the battle and concerning this story is focus the fight. Focus the fight. See, I believe there's a lot of people not winning 
in life because they're trying to fight everywhere. They're trying to fight all kinds of battles. They've got too many windows open. When you're on your computer and you're using Microsoft, you know that it doesn't work if you've got too many windows open, right? God, show me where to shoot. See, action without aim leads to exhaustion. There's this thing called the power of priority. God wants to speak to you, and he wants you to focus on the prominent battle at hand. He wants to give you a a victory. Amen? A victory that you can revel in, a victory that you can speak about, and a victory that you can do a victory dance to. Amen? Again, last night, uh, the team that won was North Carolina or South Carolina? North Carolina won against uh, Oregon. I get them mixed up because there's both Carolinas are in the, the... The press came up to the coach, right? And uh, started talking about the game Monday night. And the coach said, wait, wait, wait. Just let me enjoy this victory. That's what he said and walked away from the press. It was like, yeah, enjoy the moment. You know, we made it as the second team. And there's a video online of when he went into the locker room. And I watched it this morning. And they all, the whole team was in the locker room waiting for their coach. They weren't getting undressed. They were all standing there, hugging each other. And when the coach came in, they all just started jumping together and just shouting and screaming. And he said, guess what? We've made it to number two. (laughs) They celebrated their victory together. Focus. See, we get discouraged in the fight, I believe, because we have no focus. Stop focusing, number one. Stop focusing on the enemy. And stop talking about the devil and giving the devil place. We're not ignorant of his devices, but but we don't give him place and talk about what he's doing in our lives. Talk about what God's doing. Amen? And there's no doubt we get discouraged. But you can't win everywhere at once. So stop spending your whole life in energy on how to win and start focusing on where to win. Where to win. You know, as a pastor, you realize as you're early on in ministry, one of the things is you want everybody to like you. (laughs) And and you you can easily become in ministry a people pleaser. You know, you want everybody to like your church and you want everybody to like your worship and you want to be the best on the block. And what happens is if you want everybody to like you, then pretty much everybody ends up not liking you because you lose your focus. See, it's my job to not please people and be a people pleaser. It's my job to please God. Amen? And God will do the... And my wife, of course. (laughs) It's my job to please God. You know, that's our number one job. And, 
I believe this is my year. Amen? Amen, Joanne? This is your year. Fight the battle of, of her gallbladder. Fighting the battle of the heart and having a successful operation. One thing at a time, right? Recovering. Oh, kidney stones, yeah. Sorry, I get all those organs mixed up. But, you know, just fighting the battle. And, and I know you want to have knee surgery. Don't think about that. Get strong and be focused on the victory that you've won thus far and get strong. Amen? I thank God for a good family support around you. There's going to come another battle. But, man, can you imagine new heart, kidneys that are working fine, and new knees? You're going to be the bionic grandma. <laughs> Hallelujah. She'll be like the man at the gate called beautiful. Joanne will be leaping and jumping and praising God. Hallelujah. Free from canes and walkers. And even though we're putting in a new elevator, you won't even need to use it. Hallelujah. This is your year. You know, I might not get everything that I want this year, but I'm going to get this one thing. I'm going to shoot out the east window. I'm going to stop wasting time. I want to apply myself in the right direction. My time, my energy, and my focus. Take the bow. Now, here's what Elijah continued to give the king instructions. He said, now I want you to take the bow, and I specifically am going to ask you to do this. Take some arrows, take the bow in your hand, he said to the king of Israel, And he gave them instructions after opening the east window and after shooting out the arrow through the east window, he made that declaration. He said, you'll completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. What next? Well, number three, the last point that I want to make this morning is this. Go from seeing to seizing. Go from seeing to seizing. Move past intention into implementation. There's a time for preparation, but then there's a time for implementation. I think the Christian church is the most prepared church on the face of the planet. We know more word. We have worship services. We have more Bible schools. We have more Christian tapes and and Facebook accounts and live stream. There's so much word out there. The problem is we can become so inundated with information, it can seize us from implementation. It can stop us from moving forward. We literally can become so spiritually obese that we don't move when God says move. The place where Christianity is growing the most is in those countries where Christians are being persecuted. They barely have Bibles. They barely can get together without the, the threat of the government 
seizing their services and arresting them and putting them in jail. China, for example. Sibylle and I just watched the movie Silence when Catholic but you priests went to evangelize Japan. Lives for the sake of the gospel and what they knew. It really puts into perspective why we were placed on this earth. It really puts into perspective the complacency of the American church because we are so comfortable in our Christianity. We don't have much time. You have friends and neighbors that are going to hell. We can't wait to tell them about Jesus. We have got to invite people to church. We have got to share the love of God and the gospel. It's urgent. Jesus could return at any time. And the thing that we don't want to get to heaven and have regrets. We don't want to get to heaven and wish we could have, wish we should have. Seizing the opportunity. Struck it three times. the arrows and the king took them. Elisha told them, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. It says the man of God was angry with him. So after he, th- he shoots the arrow out the east window over the other arrows and over the other impending battles, he then told him to go outside and to strike the ground with the arrow. Oop. Maybe I needed a professional or something. And he stuck it three times. It says the man of God was angry with him and said this, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it, but now... You will defeat, I believe, three times. So here's the instructions. Because I believe that God gives us specific instructions for our individual lives. God knows each and every one of us. He knows where we're at. He knows where your family is at. He knows how to reach the people around you and wants to use you. He's already opened up doors of of opportunities for you to speak into their lives. And I believe that if you would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, that God will give you the exact things to say in the situation in order to reach their hearts with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Elisha said words like get, take, open, shoot, strike, but you know what? He didn't say stop. It says that he was angry. And he said, you should have struck it more. I didn't say stop. Regrets, shoulda, coulda, folks. The window of opportunity is closing you up. It's closing. And I'm here this morning to stir you up. I'm here this morning to prod you, encourage you to realize that there's people 
living right next door to you. On top of you or below you in your apartment complex. In the room that you're renting, there's a, a person next to you in the other room that needs the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the window of opportunity is closing. Did you know that of all, out of all the Sundays of the year, that if anyone is going to go to church, they will go on Easter Sunday morning. It is the number one time to invite somebody. So it's not just about an Easter egg hunt. It's about preaching the life-giving, freeing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you to reach out and to be bold. Because at this point in the king's battle, Elisha now is dead. He's dead. The window closed. The prophet was not there anymore to lead him and to guide him. And historically, the Bible teaches us that there were three battles against Aram that they won, but he didn't win the fourth. It led to the Israelites being put into captivity for a hundred years and taken down into Egypt. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in captivity. I don't want to be bound. I want to be free. Amen? I will work my window. It's not an option for me to stop short. There's no option. I have decided to advance. Amen? Beforehand, I have already determined what I'm going to do. I'm going to take aim. I'm going to take action. I cannot be defeated. Why? Because I'm going to hear the word of the Lord and God is fighting for me on my behalf because I am in the will of God. Hallelujah. God is over your circumstances. Begin to speak the word of God and the promises of God because all the promises of God are yes and amen. And there are sometimes you've got to break through that window. <laughs> there's sometimes you've got to either break through that window from the outside because you're looking in or there's some of you here that you're inside looking out and maybe perhaps you need to just go get a rock and throw it through it. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking metaphorically. Throw the rock of the Word of God through that window. Amen? Break through. Stop living in your limitations and realize that there's unlimited potential locked up in you because Jesus lives in you, the Son of God. Amen? Stop limiting yourself. Stop using the excuses towards your, towards your life and what happened and your past and move forward and take action. Amen? Thank God for the Word of God and the teaching of the Word and the encouragement for the Word. But when you leave here on a Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit is going to meet you through those double doors downstairs. He's going to say, now it's time to take action. Now it's time to implement this into your life. Because just hearing it will not help you. Just hearing it will not change your life or your circumstances or your destiny. It's those that are doers of the word and not hearers only that change their life and move into the destiny that God has for them. Can anyone say amen? Amen. Ben? Let's all stand up.